I look forward to that, don't you? In this life, we have many trials and difficulties that we face, and yet we have the promise from our God and from our Savior that He will return. He said, It is needful that I go away, Jesus said. But He said, I will return and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. If you have your Bible with you this morning, or if you could look off of another, I'd like you to turn to the book of Philippians. And we'll begin reading in verse 3. This is the prayer that, that uh, Paul is praying for the church at Philippi. And one verse that I really want to lift out and focus on is verse 6, just to make you aware of that. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet or that word is the word for fitting even as it is fitting for me to thank this of you all. Because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds or in his chains, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all with the vows of Jesus Christ, the compassion of Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this opportunity, this privilege of opening your word, precious Precious book. And Lord, we pray today that you would encourage our hearts, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would change us and transform us even more into the very image of Christ, that we would be reflectors of his nature and his character and his heart to one another in this church and to our community outside of the walls of this building, and, Lord, to the uttermost parts of your earth. So come now and help us. For Christ's sake, we pray in his name. Amen. One of the realities of the Christian life we would do well to understand and to remember this morning, and that I believe this text teaches us, is that our sanctification is a process. Our sanctification is a process. Not only ours, but also our brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> now, I used a big word there, and I have people all the time, you know, you, that jump on me and jump on these preachers, fix us, get us straightened out. Tell us not to use these big words. Don't use those big words, preacher, because we can't understand what they are. Well... So my response to that is, learn what the word means. 
Learn what it means. It's in this book. And you're going to be a follower of Christ. Learn what it means. If the word says. That we have a process of sanctification. Then you need to learn what sanctification means. I'll help you. Other brothers and sisters in this church will help you. There's another word we like to use. Justification. It's in this book. So learn what it means. It means to be declared righteous, by the way. You're declared righteous by the ultimate judge of heaven, by the work of Jesus Christ, when you believe by faith in what he has done. Now, your sanctification means that you are being set apart. You're being progressively set apart more and more and more to God, with God, and for God. Another way to say it. Your justification is the act of God when a sinner repents and turns away from sin and trusts in Christ. In that moment of trusting in the work of the cross and trusting in the person of Jesus Christ, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You recognize you're a sinner and the Holy Spirit is drawing you and wooing you to Christ and to repentance and faith. And you you turn and you say, I'm turning away from sin and I'm trusting in Jesus. And I cry out, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Justification is the resounding words from heaven, the judge of all the earth that says, I declare you to be righteous in my sight through the blood and the righteousness of my son. So that's a done deal. That is done. That is finished. It's actually finished at the cross, but that's another sermon. But it was finished on the cross when Jesus bowed his head and said it is finished. But it is made effectual in your personal lives when you by faith believe. But now sanctification is the process by which you are increasingly made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. And in this text, we're learning that one of the realities of the Christian life that we would do good to understand and we would do good and well if we would remind ourselves often is that it is a process. Because in the book of James, we have had our toes All messed up. Because we're guilty of being slanderously judgmental of one another and other people. And it's a grievous sin to which God says, I will destroy the one who secretly slanders his brother, his sister, his neighbor. So God takes it seriously and we're broken because we know we're guilty. And this message today says, hey, remember this. It is a process. You are in the process of growing into the very image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. But hey, you're not there yet. And it would be helpful and it would do us well if we would remember that our brothers and our sisters likewise are on that same journey. (laughs) Maybe we wouldn't assume so much and maybe we wouldn't be so quick to slanderously judge if We would recognize before God that that person that we're talking about is in the same process of progressively, slowly, and sometimes almost it seems as if it's not even happening, it's going so slow, that we're growing in the likeness of Christ and in the knowledge of Jesus. 
You see, when you become a child of God and you are born again, as it were, made a new creation in Christ, you don't instantaneously learn all of the Scriptures. <laughs> you don't instantaneously snap into this creature who is always patient and always loving and always does the right thing. Very often we can go uh, years in the Christian life only to realize and to recognize one day that we were doing and thinking and believing maybe wrongly about God. Maybe we have been believing and acting and having an attitude that was not consistent with Christ and His teaching, not consistent with the gospel, and yet we didn't realize it like we do now. And so... Our misunderstandings and our assumptions and even our straightforward observations as well that result in the speaking against and slandering of others can be avoided if we will simply remind ourselves that our brothers and sisters in Christ are on the same journey of transformation that we are on. So as Paul, I'm wanting to say James all morning, As Paul picked up his pen to write, we remember and recall the life of the Apostle Paul, that he suffered greatly for Christ. He suffered greatly in order to win people to Christ and to plant churches and to see those churches become strong and healthy with indigenous leadership. And as he does, we know that as he writes the book of Philippians that he is imprisoned. Therefore, he mentions, as we read um, in verse 7, That his bonds, as I mentioned, his chains, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And it reminds me that we are all inflicted with weaknesses that are hard to deal with in this life. I mean, the very reality that we're getting older (laughs) presents challenges to us, does it not? That we, it's hard. We have what I would call inherent weaknesses that are a direct result of sin, but not our own. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, our first parents, when they disobeyed God, the Bible teaches us that all of the human race in them somehow, mysteriously as it may seem, died spiritually with our first fathers. And the Bible says that when they had their children, that their children were born in the image of their father and mother. Adam, the fallen, the sinful. And so the Bible clearly teaches over and over and over again that we all inherit a nature of sin. Well, there's something else that we inherited as well, and that is inherent weaknesses in our physical bodies. And these weaknesses sometimes are hard to deal with in life. And they're deeply woven into the fabric of who we are and frequently made worse by our sinful responses to them. Inherent weaknesses, in other words, are different from indwelling sin. Indwelling sin is an evil that is waging war against God and our very members. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 and verse 21 down to verse 23. 
He writes about how this, there's this battle, this internal warfare going on where he says, I, I want to do what's right, but I find myself doing what I don't want to do and what I don't want to do. That's what I find myself doing. And he says, this is ridiculous. And he even goes on to exclaim, who shall save me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. But inherent weaknesses are our bodily experience of God's curse of futility that is affecting all of creation. As Paul writes about in Romans chapter 8. In other words, sin is a moral corruption that results in real guilt. And weakness is a constitutional corruption in our bodies. A disease or a disorder or a disability resulting in sometimes a very, very difficult struggle in life. And when we're younger, we tend to think that those things are going to get better or maybe that we're going to be stronger or we're going to become able to overcome those difficulties and those physical things that we face. And somewhere along the way in our walk with Christ, we come to a point in a place where we become confused and discouraged. And we begin to ask, I thought the sanctification was supposed to be progressive. (laughs) Where's the progress? And you may ask that about your brother or your sister sometimes (laughs) in Christ. Where's the progress? Sanctification is a progress whereby God is continually chipping away at the remaining corruption and continually conforming us to the image of Christ. And yet, you don't seem to begin very far. And you may say, you don't seem to be getting very far. And sometimes it's very discouraging when you add these two together. Will this never end? And so to all of us who find ourselves this morning in a state of weariness or in a state of uh, confusion and maybe uh, a little discouraged, I turn your attention to this verse and to this promise from the Word of God. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so with this, I would love for us to rejoice as we move toward the communion table. To rejoice in what Jesus has purchased, what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross is our sanctification. That's what he's dealing with in these verses that we read. If you look at it again, I will just briefly mention a couple things. He says in verse 7 that he knows that this is going to happen because they are partakers of the grace of God which came through his proclamation of the gospel. You see it there? He says, you are both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. So they were sharers in his ministry. They were supporters of the Apostle Paul. They were helpful to him as he preached the gospel, even as he was in prison, they sent to his comfort and aid. He says in verse 9, that this is my prayer, that your love may abound yet more and more. That sounds like progress, doesn't it? In knowledge and in all judgment. Ooh, there's that word. We'll come back to that later. Another sermon. That we that you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and, and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. 
which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. In other words, all of that that he prayed for, he says, is by Jesus Christ. It was purchased by Christ. It is yours. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're a child of God this morning, this sanctification, this growing up and bearing the fruit of righteousness in your life is yours. But you experience it in a progressive way as you grow in Christ. And of course, that would be another sermon to talk about how we grow. Through the word of God and through prayer and through other believers in Christ and through circumstances that God is working on us. We sing that song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You see, he's 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 working. But very often we get discouraged, I think, because we wonder. Why is it so slow? Why is it so slow? Well, let me give you just an unpacking of this one verse, verse 6, and we'll go to the table. I want to just point out each phrase and say a few things about it. First of all, he who began, he who began. Think about that for a moment. He who began, God is the initiator of our salvation. The writer of the book of Hebrews says in verse in chapter 12, he says uh, that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher. He starts it, he initiates it, and he will complete it. He will begin and he will end it. And so as we go through life and we become discouraged at ourselves because we keep messing up, (laughs) we keep messing it up, we keep messing up, and we get discouraged. And this is a promise that says, if God began the work, God will finish the work. He is the initiator. As the writer of the book of Psalms, one of the Psalms, Psalm 138, and verse 8, the psalmist says, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Our verse this morning is perhaps one of the greatest verses in the Bible that teaches the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. In other words, those who are truly born again, those in which God has initiated, that spiritual life has been granted, and they are born again and brought to life in Christ. Those individuals will persevere in unto the end. That's what the Bible teaches. And this is one of the greatest, if not definitely, is one of the greatest verses that teaches that. Because God began the work, and the one who began the work is who the emphasis is on. You see, this verse, this this statement, he who began, is not emphasizing the individual believer. Now, we could preach another message that would deal with your cooperation as we get all over into Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Listen to what it says. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now, much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do something. In fear and trembling, you need to work out the salvation. But it's to work out your salvation means to work out what you've already received. Work out what is already there. Work out, be who you are. You say, I don't know if that's true or not. We'll read the next verse. For, because... In other words, verse 12 is an assertion, is is an imperative statement. And verse 13 is the ground. 
It's the ground that supports the, 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 the command. Here's what he says. For because it is God which works in you, both to will, the desire, and to do the action of his good pleasure. And so what I'm emphasizing in this phrase, he who began, is I'm emphasizing verse 13. I'm emphasizing, and Paul is emphasizing, and the Holy Spirit is emphasizing, that in the midst of the difficulties, when you're in prison, and you're, uh, you're, you're surrounded by all this hostility, and all this opposition, and all of this sin, and this futility, and you're groaning inwardly, longing to be free, you need to remember and take courage, because he who began is going to finish the work that he started. And so the comfort and the glory of this promise is that the assurance of the completion of our transformation is not focused upon our faith or upon our faithfulness, but upon God's faithfulness to complete the work that he began. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses eight and nine say this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. And then jumping down to verse 14, Paul writes, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. And so that's the first phrase, he who began, a good work in you. All that God is doing, he is doing for your good, your complete sanctification that is to be transformed into the very likeness of Christ. That is the work that God is doing. And this is what makes it so frustrating to, to me and to, and to brothers and sisters in the church. Because sometimes we need a brother or sister to look at us and say, I love you. Grow up. Grow up in the faith. Why are you still acting like someone who's never been taught a single principle from the word and the life and the ministry of Christ? And it may be that that is the process by which God will help you take another step. Take another step. He's doing a good work, and this work is to conform us into the image of Christ so that we reflect His character, so that we reflect His nature and His heart to others within the church, to our families, to our co-workers, to our schoolmates, to our neighbors, to our world. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul is writing about in chapter 8 of the book of Romans, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is going to make you like Jesus. You're not going to be Jesus, but you're going to be like him. You're going to have his heart, his compassion, his mercy, his grace, his love, his tenderness, his sense of justice. And honesty and integrity, that's going to be completed in you. Because that's the work that he is doing. And in the midst of the struggle, you might ask, why? Why such a struggle to get from point A to point B? Let me give you just a few things. Number one, it's building faith by making you desperate to cling to the promises of the word of God. It is building your faith you're not, you, you, you can, you would, no one has ever told me. I have never read in all of my reading or heard another preacher preach and say these words. Someone came to me the other day and said that I've grown in the faith more because everything has been going my way. You never hear that. 
You always hear, I have grown more in the faith and trust in the promises and taking God and His Word when I'm going through the darkest nights of my soul. It's secondly, building hope in a reality that you do not see. We began to dig our roots down into the soil and the fabric of this life too deeply unless God begins to loosen those that soil and those roots become loosened. And we began to develop a hope that is settled in heaven, a hope of a, of a world that is not like the one we're living in, a hope of a city whose builder and maker is God, a hope for a place wherein dwells righteousness and peace and love everywhere and forever. Building faith, building hope, and building love for the Lord's appearing. Building love for the Lord's appearing. If everything was so great, we have this tendency because of the nature of corruption within us. We have this tendency to kind of camp out here at home. And we just start trying to beautify this life with the comforts and the Things that we can accumulate and things that we can experience in this life. But through the difficulties of life, he is developing and cultivating a love for the appearing of Christ. You feel that? I want him to come back. The only reason that I want us to go one more second is if God wants it to, to bring somebody else into his family. Otherwise, I want him to come back right now. That's what the Bible says. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That should be on our hearts. The love of our life should not be anything less than to see Jesus coming, descending, stepping on the cloud to receive his bride, his church. So he's going to bring it to completion. This is the next one. On the cross, our justification was accomplished. It is finished, Jesus said in John 19.30. It is finished, he said. He bowed his head and he died and our justification was complete. One of these days he's going to say that about our sanctification. It's finished. You'll finally be made all that God desires for you to be. It is finished, he'll say. There will be an end, he says. And he's gracious and he's merciful with this last phrase to give us the time. So if you ask me, are, is that going to happen in this life? The answer comes back, <laughs> no. Because he says, he who began this good work in you will perform it until when? The day of Jesus Christ. So when will your sanctification be complete? When will mine? When will all the family of God be completely conformed to the image of Christ, grown up and reflecting his character and his nature without flaw? When will that happen? When Jesus returns. When he comes descending, stepping on the clouds, the Bible says that there'll be a great shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us who are alive and remain will be called up, the Bible says, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He's coming. Our redemption is coming. It's drawing near. And there is an end to the process of our transformation. Let's pray. Father, as uh, the deacons come, Lord, we thank you for this truth, for this one promise. 
one promise that we can cling to today. Lord, to admit before you and your holy angels and this host today, oh God, that we're not what we ought to be. And we're not where we want to be. But by your grace, we are not where we used to be. And by your grace, one day it will be complete. And we will be finally given that imperishable body. No more corruption. No more inherent weakness. Dwelling in a land that is a perfect environment. And most of all and best of all, able to behold your beautiful face. Able finally to bow at your precious feet. And thank you. Thank you for saving us. By your grace, for your glory, through the work of Christ on the cross. In his name we pray. Amen.